The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast are those of the host slash guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any of BXR entities and those they represent. y'all doing so i'm gonna do a live show again that clap was answering your question you said how you doing we clap all right i wanna i I made that applause made me think about when i used to do the show live from hotel rl and it was like live people there i think i want to do that again a little, I'm gonna wait a little bit. I'm still not convinced about this monkeypox or um, the COVID that's still real because there's still people getting COVID every day. Um, and I know that's gonna be a norm, but bitch, we still, y'all still doing things like we don't have it. Like y'all not following all the precautions. But um, so I've had a really interesting week. So we're coming off of Baltimore Fashion Week. The first week of school is, you know, done. Um, I got a bone spur. Like, real adult shit has been happening in the last, like, three or four months. And I really have, I mean, I've been an adult for a long time now. But um, I've been an adult for a long time now. But um. This, it got real in the last couple months, and life just been happening. And I have found that when I turn up, I encourage other people to turn up. So when I have an attitude about something, I've realized my power in a situation. And today, I've realized it for a long time, but today it really rang true because I had an attitude. Um, I have an issue with any customer, so bad customer service, just across the board. And I experienced bad customer service in a few different places today. I'm going to start with like the last incident. Um, in a nail shop, I decided to treat myself. Um, well, me and a friend went to a um, a nail shop um, in my neighborhood that I go to. And um, I went there to get my nails, my toes done, and um, they wouldn't see me. Now, as lo- I've lived in that neighborhood longer than they've been in that neighborhood. And once they opened up, I started going to them. I have never, ever, 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 ever um, made a reservation because I ain't never had nobody in there. But today I walked in there and apparently, I guess because of the COVID and coming out of it, people are starting to seek out these types of places more now. So 
all the nail stations were taken up. So they was filled. But all the uh, pedicure stations weren't. So I was like, well, maybe these people are getting pedicures too. But that's not true. Because typically when you go to the nail salon, they give you your pedicure first. And then they give you your manicure unless you ask. But okay. So I ended up having to go to my plan B nail shop, which is just a couple blocks away. Um, and then I had to wait a little bit there. Um, but the lady who, it's me, it's a test for me. The lady who was um, seeing me, my, my normal guy was not there. So I just see this lady. And first of all, I was waiting forever. My water had gotten cold and everything, waiting for her to come out. So I had an attitude when she came out. Um, and then she came out on her phone. Little Filipino lady. I, I didn't say nothing. I just looked at her. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted her to catch my eye while she was on the phone. But the man next to her must have saw my facial expression and he tapped her on the shoulder to put her phone away. Um, and she got an attitude, but when she looked at my face and realized I had a problem because she was like, she she wasn't even touching my nails and she was just like going over my foot and it, the file wasn't even touching my foot. It, it just, it wasn't. It just added a bunch of whatever that stuff they put on you, but she wasn't even touching and whoever, whatever she was doing, it must've been a bill collector or a man or something, but I was really frustrated because she was going to keep going. And then she went to the next step. Like she had just filed my toes. Now I don't have crusty feet. I don't have bad feet at all. But maybe I'm not paying or my friend, I refuse to let my friend pay for something you ain't did. And then once she realized I had an attitude, she apologized, but she was just rushing. She was rushing. She kept looking at the clock. Like she had another phone call to me. And I asked, I said, can you slow down? Because my my ankle is a little injured and I don't want you to be jerking my foot. And it just pain medicine went off. She had an attitude, so she's going fast. She's going fast, she's going fast. I got the little uh, paraffin thing where they put the wax on your feet. Uh, para, is it paraffin? I must be pronouncing it wrong. Anyway, I got that. I got my, yeah, yeah, I got that. So I got the little, you know, scrub off my foot, all it, but she was rushing. So I, my friend, like, say something. I was like, no, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm going to wait. So I waited till she was finished. And she was like, uh, uh, clear nail polish? I said, no. So I let her go through the whole thing. I let her bring me over my receipt and everything. I said, I'm not paying for this. She said, no, you, you pay, you pay, you pay. And I was like, you just brushed off me. Like she didn't even like, she didn't do the Lord clip thing where she do the cuticles and push her, like she was just skipping steps. So the man came over there who tapped her on her shoulder first and he like stepped in and he started the pedicure all over because I wasn't paying for that. And I guess she got pissed because he came in and stepped in on her customer. But it was just that on top of coming from the doctor's office and I'm in the doctor's office. Now, if you are five minutes late, they ready to cancel your visit. And they still will charge your insurance or charge you if you don't have insurance. <clears throat> I was, not only was I on time, 
But I had, they now give you, my doctor's office, I think most doctor's offices do this now, they'll let you check in before you even get there. So you're not waiting, all you gotta do is come and let them know you're there, and then you reach to the back. I had did that an hour before. I did that an hour before, got there, checked in, was like, I'm here, but I'm gonna go sit downstairs because I know I still got a half an hour got there, came back upstairs with 10 minutes before, checked in. I sit out in a waiting area for maybe 45 minutes. They called me, finally called me to the back. I sit in the in the office, in the, her office for maybe another 35 minutes. So by the time she got in there, I had an attitude. I had a real attitude. And my, um, I have a um, nutritionist. So I guess they sent the nutritionist in first because she was with another patient. So even when she came in, I had no words for this lady. She was asking me questions and I was burned up because I could have went to work today because on Fridays, my class is in that 1220. So I could have went to work today and still got there before the doctor came. Doctor didn't get in there until 1250. I could have, guy could have went to work and got off at 1220 and got to this clinic and still got my full day pay. So I was already pissed. Then I then the nail shop happened after that. But it's just, I'm, I'm a stickler for customer service because I try to do my best to please people. I'm not a person that's always in your face when you come into my shop, but I definitely try to give you the best experience with the quality of my work and all that. But when I get bad customer service, I really be pissed off because people really be, you know, they be on one. And that, the way the doctor's office is set up, for them to make you wait so long, but if they have to wait for you, they're ready to skip over. And I get when people are late, it throws everything else off for them for the day. But communicate that. Please don't come in here like, I only been waiting for two minutes. And then you asking me why I got an attitude. I got an attitude because I've been waiting and I could have went to work today. I, I really could have went to work today. But um, on top of that, like I said, I got a heel spur and I probably had it because this pain has been really persistent for like the last month. Um, but it really, it would go away. I would take some Tylenol, a couple of days it'll go away. But right before the, the week leading up to Baltimore Fashion Week, it was really bad. Like I was really trying to get a bunch of things done. And then that Friday before Baltimore Fashion Week started, it just disappeared. Like pain went away by itself. And then this week, this week, it started back up like Saturday of last week. And it just progressively got worse. So Wednesday it was like, I ain't going to do this. And I believe I was I had left here, my studio, and I was on my way to rehearsal. And I was like, I cannot do this. I can't. I can't, I can't do, I can't walk like this anymore. Like I'm a teacher, so I'm up on my feet all day. And it's just, it's, you know, I knew something was wrong. It wasn't just, I had rolled my ankle again. It was just something worse. And I was hoping it wasn't too bad. But so I get to the emergency room now because I'm at the arena players, the closest emergency room was Maryland General. Well, in University Midtown campus, that's what they call it now. But the shit is still Merlin General. Um, <laughs> it, it took forever. It took. It really took forever. I should have just went to Mercy, 
hospital. I really should have went there, but I was, I said, I can't walk anymore. I can't get no further. Let me stop here. Um, and the only highlight of it, and we're going to talk about it once Blue logs on, uh, but I had a really nice nurse experience and it was really nice. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, it just was, it was crazy. And I didn't get out of there to almost, it was like 12.30, so no pharmacy was open. So I had to I rely on a medication that they gave me, which, which is really good. I'm not, I'm not a, a drugs person, but I like when medicine does its work. And because I don't take pain medicine ever, when I do take it, it does work. But um, I woke up. I didn't go to work Thursday. I got to sleep in and do some work at home. Um, I had a a friend came to visit me, so I had somebody to chill with me for a little bit. Um, I got a really nice meal delivered to me. And my theater family been, you know, sending me love wishes and all that stuff. However, um, work has to continue on. It's not like when you're a child, everything is happening for you. Um, but as an adult, you still got to figure out bills and household and all that. So, um I still been working and I just appreciate everybody who reached out to me. I didn't tell everybody because I'm a person who just like to keep my business to myself. I like to go through and then come back. You know, I'm not one of the people that like to bug people or take the pictures in the hospital and want, I ain't going to tell what people want. Anyway, um, we're here. Blue should be joining us shortly. He's a, a hardworking man, he is. And, um, yeah, I'm just trying to share out the show. If you're watching, please like, share, subscribe, all that jazz. Um, I have not really been promoting the artists exchange like I used to, uh, but now that my schedule is kind of evened out a little bit, and I'm making some big, you know, um, uh, jumps this weekend in terms of scheduling, in terms of getting everything in order, so you'll see a lot more promotion. Um, I do have guests lined up for September, even though this is the first September. Today is actually the second. Um, I do have some great things coming up. Look out for some announcements. I know off the top of my head, December, no, actually November 1st, um, the opening of the show that I've been working on for months now. Um, a real nigga, not a real nigga show. You thought I was him. The cast has been announced. Um, and we'll be doing a number of interviews. So if you are a show, if you have a platform, if you're a blogger, uh, if you like to review plays, please hit me up at Scene Work. That's S-C-E-N-E-W-U-R-K at gmail.com. Um, and we'll be able to, you know, hook up with you and schedule some times for myself, the production team, or the cast to come onto your platform. Um, a, a press release will be, I'm working on a press release now. I'm the production coordinator uh, for this piece. So I'm doing a lot of the branding and marketing and social media. And, you know, we, we have a podcast that came out this Tuesday. Um, well, we've been doing a podcast. But the, one of the, the episodes came out this Tuesday and you got to meet half of the cast. And we'll be doing a part two to that where you meet the other half of the cast. Um, and maybe some of the other writers as well who have not been on the show so far. Um, what else is coming out? So that then in December, the the Black Arts District 
will be putting on an artist fair. Um, and there's a number of workshops, there's a number of um, workshops and uh, resources and all that jazz. Um, speaking of the Black Arts District, we just had the Black um, Black to the Future event where Moni was actually the, the facilitator this time. And um, people really enjoyed him. I've gotten a lot of good feedback which I have to share with him once I get it all organized into our database. You said what? I didn't say anything. I was flat. But how did you enjoy yourself? I, you, well, you already know I was super nervous in the beginning. But as soon as I like got in front of everybody, I felt a lot better. I mean, the conversation mm -hmm. started to flow. There was a million questions, which I love. Right, um, right. I think I... Uh, I it really did open me back up to being in front of people because uh, mm -hmm. that was the first time I was in a group like that in a long time besides fashion week where I was still secluded and hiding in the background. But <laughs> <laughs> this was, was out with the people. Yeah, this was me standing in front of people and having them have, be able to breathe on me. So, <laughs> which was the, you know, was what where my fear was coming from. So that actually, it, it, it enlightened me mm -hmm. to, you know, that I'll be okay. I'm going to be okay. As long as you right. don't touch me, I'm good. Although they were saying I was touching too many people. Well, I mean, for me, I still in a crowded room. In a crowded room, I'm still very cautious. One, because I think some people just like the flu. They're just oh, okay. You can get it, but but depending on how you get it and the, the strand or whatever, mm -hmm. it could be deadly or at least something that sits you down. True. Now, thankfully, throughout this process, I have not gotten it. I think I was got it before it came out, <laughs> which I, I we still don't know because they I still know. never told me what was wrong. And I ain't never been checked in the hospital before, but I was checked in the hospital. Uh, <laughs> knock on wood, because I don't want that shit to ever happen again. But, um, yeah, so thankfully, I haven't gotten it. And, you know, I don't think any of you have gotten it that I know a lot of people in my circle haven't gotten it, but I do have friends who have gotten it. Um, I have family members who died from it um, instantly um, because they didn't have any symptoms and then it just hit them. Um, and most of them had preconditioned, pre, pre, um, what did it call? Pre something condition, pre-existing conditions. But yeah, I, I be nervous still. And you see, I still keep my mask on and I, I, don't, give, I don't care how people feel uncomfortable. <laughs> some people look at you weird now. Like know, people are like, starting to look at me on. now. Like, I gotta know, bitch, because I don't trust you. Like, right? But remember how we used to look at people who used to walk around with masks on, and it be like only them. Well, right. people look at me like that now when I go into the market or I'm in the, you know, I, I'm in school because some people in school don't wear them anymore. Mm. I do. You know, some of the students don't wear. Them. I do. <laughs> uh, even the school nurse I don't think she has it on all the time but anyway I don't want to tell on nobody though but yeah so I you know that event is to really and we actually had a meeting and part of my argument was because they want we're building up to the artist fair that we're having in December with <clears throat> and those days to be out soon that day to be out soon I think it's the the second and the third of December. Mm -hmm. So that Friday and Saturday of December, that first Friday and Saturday of December, I think that's the second and third. 
um, we'll be doing a bigger artist fair. So imagine that one uh, meeting gets magnified times like 20. So we'll have uh, at least like 15 other resources, well, not resources, facilitators and workshops going on at the same time each day. Um, and we'll have plenty more resources and vendors and people. So we're, we're pushing for at least 800 to 1,000 people. Um, and these these smaller ones, these monthly ones are building up to that. So definitely, Moni, get your information together so you can do the larger one when we um, uh, when I start picking the individuals for December. But um, these smaller ones are really for not only for the people to get the resources, but people like Moni who are not used to, you know, doing this on a regular basis. And I'm sure he's done a form of this at work. But it's different when you're around your work colleagues versus when you're around the public in general. Um, and I, I really want to create a facilitator, facilitating um, space for individuals to come um, and be able to sharpen their tools. You know, if you know how to publish or produce or do radio and money's accountant, so you have these skill sets. I really want to help people to be able to showcase that in a form of workshopping and giving people resources because people may not because I remember one of the men who came in, he was like, I got my own business already. I'm good. I was like, well, just listen to it. And he was one of the first people to come and ask for your information. So it, people don't realize, especially with finances, how much trouble they really in. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's not it's not permanent trouble. But it's sometimes trouble that you get yourself in. What you say? It's because everybody, most people think they know what they, exactly what they're doing, and they know all the mm -hmm. different logistics and everything that goes along with it. And then they see that tax return, and then they all with their eyes crossed. <laughs> because we uh, we associate being good with money with knowing how to make money. Exactly. And those are two separate things. And it's not the same thing as for accounting for the money. Right. 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 Right, because a lot of a lot of business owners I know don't have even if they have a personal and business account, they often use the business for personal and a personal for business. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that's one of the biggest issues. And just keeping track of the money is very cumbersome. Like if your your phone bill was due that month, you normally just okay, I made this, I sold this many earrings, I got enough money to pay my cell phone bill, and it's not you can't do it because what right. if you really don't you you may have made the money in your business but personally you don't have the money to pay yourself on bill. your business has the money to pay yourself on bill right but unless you are you know and you should be like money you know a lot of stuff i'll be asking questions here and there about stuff but i learned how to put those things on there and i remember when the pandemic the first year we were in the pandemic and i did my taxes one of the things that I do the most, which is catch lifts and Ubers, kind of helped me from owing the government as much money as I did owe them. <laughs> because I got to, for that year, I claimed all that. And I was able to, well, now I claim all of it, but I claimed all the business because you can separate the business from the personal ride. But yeah, I went through and I was like, bitch, I could have bought a, 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 put a down payment on a car. All the shit that I, I did, but. It was, you know, learning how to separate and account for your money that you're making versus what's going out and what you're using personally versus business is, is a thing that most people don't know how to do. I, I know people who are very wealthy who don't know what to do with their money. 
just they is just not in them. But um, was there anything that you learned from that event, or you would want to learn? I'm sorry, say the reading out for me. Yeah, was there anything that you learned from the event or something that you would like to learn more about? Or? Well, no, I think the event was great, especially for, like I said, for those that did not have an account in it but and didn't even know they needed one. That mm -hmm. was the, uh, one of the, the best parts out of this, out of, you know, the whole entire presentation that I, I took away from it is that there are a lot of businesses out there and through this pandemic process that have started and didn't know they were going to need an account. Like, yeah. you know, you're going to need an accountant because you have to account for that money correctly. But one of the good things that that event was a great networking event all in it, in itself because everybody mm -hmm. got to basically stand up and say what they do and present their business. And then I see all those people just exchanging business cards and contact information. It was really, mm -hmm. really great. So if you haven't been able to get to the Black to the Future event, I want y'all to try one. It's, it's another one coming up soon, right? Yeah, so it's typically the last month, last uh, Saturday of every month even though this month was on a Friday, but they had the Legacy Fest, which is another component that they do. So every year they have the Legacy Fest and it's, it's dedicated to that arts district, uh, that Pennsylvania Avenue corridor. Um, so they had a number of entertainers and stuff, but this this month it replaced uh, the actual event and we had to push it back a day. Um, mm -hmm. So it, uh, yeah, it, it is a different facilitator each month. And we normally, it's, it's the young lady, Shinyir. She does the uh, Black Mall. Um, and I think y'all saw me with a shirt on the other day. I said the Baltimore scene. Um, so that, she does those events. And because I do more workshops and I facilitate more, I bring that and she brings her hosting. Uh, she does normally does open mics and stuff. So that's why the networking session feels like an open mic. Uh, because she typically does open mic and they kind of partner me and her together and we produce this event and it's being sponsored by the Black Arts District. So it really um, it really is beneficial. And the event itself came from me wanting to help entrepreneurs in general, because I just felt like all these people were able to be given money or had access to a little extra money throughout the pandemic and they had the time. So a lot of people... I know a lot of people who quit really good jobs to be able to um, start a business. Uh, one of my, uh, one of the girls, uh, Keisha, I know she started an event planning company. Now Keisha was a uh, uh, um, a CEO, and then she became part of the CEOs that transport the the um, individuals back and forth to court, the inmates back and forth to court. So she was making pretty good money, but the pandemic gave her opportunity to start her own event planning company. We had her son on, um, when we, her son was one of the last guests that we had um, before we went to virtual, before the pandemic came. Um, and he was a chef. So she was able to help him to develop his business more and develop her own business. So I know a lot of people who are smart business-wise, but it was certain things. And for me, it was, it kept being like, I was talking about customer service in the beginning. It kept being customer service issues. And I kept seeing that as the means. And even for me, you know, while I'm trying to, you know, juggle school, working, being a teacher and, and doing this, you know, my shop has not been consistently open. Um, so, but I had to hire someone and, and figure out the hours, you know, and, and, and trying to figure it out 
So there, there's things that I need, the financial part. So like Marnie came in and did a lot of accounting and we didn't even really get to his workshop portion uh, because there were so many questions uh, and so many people that were so enthused and wanted to help, help him do his, uh, his job for that moment. But um, <laughs> other than that, um, was there that something- That part that was very entertaining. <laughs> I, I had to I had to show that other side of Nate in that moment because mm -hmm. I, I just want people to learn like you would not be here if you knew it all. You right. just wouldn't. You wouldn't feel the need to come if you knew it all. So sometimes as black people, we have to learn how to listen. And that's a valuable lesson that I'm learning. Um, but other than just the networking experience, was there anything that you see that we could have improved on um, in terms of the event? Because we want all the feedback. Um, I see. I, I don't think I'm going to be a good judge of that in this first time going. Okay. Maybe after the second time, you, I ask me that question after I go next time. Well, I'm not a presenter. And I'm okay. Actually, and you can get just be in it. But yeah. we want even we even the even the events. So we typically have, um, and I don't know if that element will be brought back because that's not something I brought to it. But we normally have a photo booth there where people can take headshots. But we had Tracy walking around this time taking photos, and those photos photos will be released soon. Um, but I mean, because the um, one thing I really wanted when I got there was the massage, and I got it. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got some experience, Tanya, mm -hmm. and and she is, and you be in pain while she doing it. But yeah. after the fact, it is definitely it's gonna relax. You know, I'm used to getting massages. So when she got to touching and, and getting in my spot where I told her to point it, you know, mm -hmm. it's great. <laughs> yeah. So that's another element that's at every one of them. I mean, then we have our resources. We had a little bit more vendors than we typically have, but we, we have a lot of people. And right now, some of the complaints have been that it feels too organic and it needs a little bit of structure. But what we're trying to do is just give people a taste of like building up for December and we're gearing up for next year where we may be in a different space. Um, and we've and talked I about- I disagree with that if it, it, it was being too organic because I like mm -hmm. the freedom of the flow that you can- Oh, that's your learning style though. Yeah, that you can just move about the event and you don't have to be good. That, that's sometimes one of the reasons why I leave is because yeah. it's too structured and it's yeah. too And it, it, that's kind of boring to me. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm bored. If I get the yawn and I gotta go. I didn't and that's that's what for for the director and the individual the director that's over top of us. That's one of the things that we said to him. Like we want people to learn on their level. So we yeah. have elements that are really structured, and then we have elements that are a little loose and casual, because we want people to want to stay. And, and what was interesting is that when it was time to present, everybody mm -hmm. sat down and focused on the presentation. Right. Now, you don't typically get that when, like, when you got that many vendors around a certain in that circle, you you still see people still shopping and doing whatever yeah. they want to do. This gave them the opportunity to shop for the most of the period mm -hmm. and then present and then go back to shopping. And because that, turned, that portion of it is the structured part of it. Yeah, and then so when it turned into the party, that was even better. <laughs> right, right, right. And typically, I I normally get out of there, but because you all still stay. 
I stay because I I've been tired because I'm I'm doing surveys and stuff like that the whole time. But that's I stayed because I was on a high. I was on a different kind of high after that because I it was successful to me. I felt right. good about what I did, so I was like, okay, all right, got now I'm ready to party. Give me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and we were in the Be More Green space, um, and that space is kind of turning the corner store on its head. So it actually has healthy products that they're selling to give away so much produce every day. Um, and they actually have a farm location. I think they have a couple farm locations where they source a lot of their produce from. So they're giving you produce, they sell produce, they sell vegan and vegetarian and healthy organic uh, options. Yeah, that's owned, owned by um, Dominic Nell. Uh-huh. Farmer now. Farmer uh, up there in Park Heights. <laughs> yeah. So that's where one of their farms is, up in that area. So that's that's where they get a lot of, and then they have a lot of donations. Like, I think that day they were giving away the um, the spinach. Yes. And so they, they give, they do a lot of giveaway sandwiches every day. Mm-hmm. See, they give away a lot of produce, and anybody can get it. You don't just have to be in need, but they give out to the community because in that area, even though you have shoppers up at Mondawmin, and I believe Barbara Junction now has a new market there now, it's still not the freshest produce, mm-hmm. um, and you got to pay for it. But they give their stuff away um, for individuals, and then they have a selling part, and then they have an artist space in there, and then they host things like our event. So our event is the first consistent big event that they do every month they co-partner with uh, every month. And it really is, it's been a great time being on that North Avenue corridor because then you have individuals that just stop in that normally come there for other reasons or they just stopping by and hear us in there, they hear the music and they're able to take part. But I really am enjoying it and it's really like a good space. And I'm glad you got a chance to come and, and show off what you do. Um, because that's what we really, we want people who, we don't want the people who always get picked or always get asked to do stuff, but we want people who don't typically get to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and most people would know you from doing the radio. So now knowing you as an accountant, it probably connected you because even the director of the whole program, she had the most questions. She so, sure did. Right. That's what I was like. And, and I didn't, and like I told you the other day, I didn't know what, who she was. Yeah. And so you told me that was she was the executive director of BAD. Right. I didn't know that. And right. I was so, like, okay, I thought she was answering questions. But and now, uh, you know, I'll talk right. to you about this other part later. Because now but, we, there, but it's a smaller, it's a smaller um, organization. The Black Arts District is really a little over a year and a half old. Mm-hmm. And it's thankfully, because we were talking yesterday on, um, on um, what you call Chaz's show. Um, about what are people doing and she was one of the people that was you know she was with another group called leaders of a beautiful struggle and she's a poet people most people know her from being one of the big poets in the city because they go around internationally and she has won awards and fellowships and prize money from just being a poet so now she's been asked to be the director of the black arts district and she's been the director since she's the first director of the Black Arts District. Um, and people don't know that that's something that's actually building and something that's actually happening. And thanks, that's thanks to uh, Brandon Scott, uh, Mayor Scott. Is this the same Scott? Brandon Scott? Yeah. 
I don't know why. I want to say young. That's what it is. I was trying to say young. Okay, He's okay. gone. Never coming Thank back. You. Thank uh, you. But he, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, that was my, you know, fight for him. Like he is doing things, mm-hmm. but he is doing things that typically don't get happened. All the mayors that we've had that's been giving money to the arts, they never thought of saying, hey, let's, we have a historical uh, walkway there, Pennsylvania Avenue. Let's do something different. Let's make that a black arts district. Mm-hmm. Typically, our mayors give to the white arts district in the city, and it was never, it wasn't his his idea to do a black arts district, but a number of people like Lady Brown got together and pushed that idea and they made it happen in record time. And we have one of, I think, maybe three or four Black arts districts in the city. And ours is the largest out of all of those. So it, it says a lot. And that's something that he's doing. And most people, if you're not in the arts world, it's like, oh, yeah, that's you just giving to the arts. But if you've realized how much money has been released, not just for the arts district, but through Maryland State Arts Council and a number of other grants, that's why we always have service providers at the Black to the Future event, because with it's so much money being poured into our community, and some of it is not from traditional places. Some of it is being, a lot of it is being given to the the uh, the arts districts or the art artists in general. Um, a lot of relief funding, a lot of, because artists are the people who keep things going. They keep a lot of things in a city going. They keep a lot of attention. That's why movies are being made. Movies that would, I mean, they always did movies here, but now we're having bigger movies done by local artists here, more documentaries being done here because they're funneling money through the arts and bringing, and you know, that's why the movie theaters and stuff like that are coming here again because the arts districts are flourishing. But people are like, I don't know what Brandon Scott is doing, he ain't doing nothing for me. Well, read something. Bring something. See what he's doing. You know, it's, everything is not going to pay your bills directly. So sometimes you just got to get yourself out there and, and stop waiting for him to come knock on your front. He's not going to do it. He's not. He He's doing, he's connecting with people who are already established. They have ideas established. And and this is this is another thing. So if you did not watch Chaz's show on Big Spoke last night, it comes on every Thursday at 7 p.m. Go to Big Exposed Radio on either the Facebook page or YouTube, and you'll see her show on. And one of the gentlemen on there yesterday was complaining about, you know, him not coming into the hood to do things. And a lot of people that he had working with, they have started the work. And by the time he gets to them or sees what they're doing, he can add a little bit of funding to it or push some resources, but you you have an idea that you've done nothing with. You you haven't done anything. You know, anybody that gives money, and money, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but anybody that's giving money, they want to see what you're already doing. They don't want you to rely on their funding. They want you to see, they want to see if, if I give them a couple dollars or give them some resources or send people to them, they already have something going. And if we exactly. run out of and it typically takes a plane that you're going to have right. at the end of this after I give you this money. But but even your plan, even if you haven't started the center or started the school or started the initiative, you should at least have a great business plan or a model created for if if when I get the money, 
is ready to go. And you should be doing an element of that on your own already. And then your strategic plan for the next 5, 10, 15 years should be that that detailed plan. But you just having an idea for something and wanting Brandon Scott Young to put city money into it, they're not going to do that. They'll do that for the white people. Those white people have a plan. And some of them rubbing each other's hands, but for the most part, they have a plan. They go to the city council meeting with not only with a bunch of people from that community, but they come with sheets and sheets of signed signatures from community members. So you got to have numbers behind you, not just dollars and cent numbers, but the people behind you. Because if this, unfortunately, you have to play the politics game with them. So if somebody is running up for re-election and they see you got 100,000 people from your section of the city ready to do whatever this is, they're going to put their voice to that and add that to their list of to-dos when they go out campaigning. But if you just sit in your hood on your porch waiting for Brandon Scott Young to drive by, when when does that go happen? Brandon don't even come to that part of the city unless it's something official going on. Like, Freakness and some shit. Up and then now he's not coming up there. So you can keep waiting on him because you could always go downtown and meet him. Anybody can set up a meeting. It might take a couple months, but anybody can set up a meeting. And I, I think he's really good at having those meetings and such with his constituents and with people, business owners and such. But please don't sit and wait with an idea that may be great and wait for people with money or leaders or politicians to come to you because they don't even know you. You don't have a Facebook page for your initiative. You don't have, you know, you're not doing like ongoing, you could be doing a podcast, talking about the thing, just bringing up, you know, revving up attention. You know, one of the shows that I've done, because I do this platform, the show that I'm working on, You Thought I Was Simp, one of my ideas was to, to start a podcast, a temporary podcast, where we just brought people on and we do a community um, conversation every month where we're just getting revving it up and the tickets are just went on sale and we're already almost sold out the first day. So it's just trying to figure out how to get things done, but please don't just wait and complain. We are great in our community for waiting and complaining. And then it, it, look, Brandon said we done voted him in. You ain't voted him in because you ain't even go vote. But data voted him in, and look, he ain't doing nothing for us. Well, he's not doing nothing for you. But people who really want it are figuring out how to get it. You know, for me, I just started applying for more grants. And I'm sharing those grants for people. I'm bringing them to the Black Arts District so they can see their other like-minded people who may need the same help as them. You know, everything don't look like, you know, the battlefield. Sometimes you got to find where your battlefield is and do the things that that you need to get done to to do it. But, you know, I was watching that show last night and it was just frustrating me because I can see I can see the judge and I'm not faulting him for his anger, his frustration, because you see your neighborhood going to hell. You know, you see it. And it, it's very frustrating because you know you have ideas to get it going on, but what are you doing? You know, that's, and I'm not to say you're not doing anything, but I'm asking you, what are you doing? You know, because I don't see it. I hear you talking about bits and pieces of it, but what are you actually doing? I'm tired of people complaining about politicians that they, one, did not vote for, 
or vote against uh, or vote at all. Uh, and then they're this mad because people become the mayor, the governor, the president, the vice president of the entire uh, city or state or country. Uh, but uh, okay. Uh, but they're not, they're not just your, because they're black, they're not just the black president, you know, because if that's the truth, we can't get mad when Trump or somebody like him does things for his own people, because that's the formula that you want to go by, but you have to support those people in leadership uh, in terms of getting your agendas passed, and just understand that's your agenda. It may be 500 other people with 5,000 different other agendas and things that they want to get done. But you can't just expect for your idea to get done because you think um, Sorry, I'm coughing some blue. But yeah, it, it it's, it's um, yeah, so I, I was watching the show last night and that, that frustrated me, not because I didn't feel like he was doing anything, the, the guest that uh, Chaz had on, but it just he just represented a, a person who is frustrated, justifiably uh, frustrated, but it gets to a point of us keep complaining about things that we aren't establishing. You know, if you want to start an after-school program, start an after-school program. You know, go to the school in your neighborhood um, and make sure you're bonded. Make sure, you know, that's that's an easy way of, you know, doing things. But you got to get your background check. Make sure you can pass a background check. Or at least you have people who can do the things that you can put into place that can pass the background check. Because that's one thing you got to do if you're working in a school. That's just one example. But, you know, if you want to do something, make sure you know what you want to do. Because we, if, if Brandon Scott was to come to you or some multi-million dollar individual would come to you, what would they, what would you tell them? <clears throat> How many times do you give people money for just because, just to do what they want to do? With? You want to know where your money going. You want to know if you're going to receive a return on that money. You want to know what, what you know, what are they going to do? You, you want to follow that, that structure of where your money going. You're not just gonna give people money to do something. Um, Marty, are you there? I'm crazy. <laughs> oh, we about to, um, Blue is about to log on. Uh, but today's topic is be you for you. And I'll start, start the conversation. Um, I think I always knew who I was. Um, 
I don't want to say what, but who I was. My issue was I let other people's insecurities sit me back. And I never wanted anybody to feel uncomfortable. I, I like when everybody is getting along. And I just, I did not maintain who I was or I did not build on who I really was for fear that I was going to hurt somebody else's feelings or make somebody else feel uncomfortable or um, it just, so a, a parts of who I am, this creative self of mine, um, I, um, uh-oh. Hello. Hello. Is that an actual, is, who did that painting? Is that one of Marcel's paintings? No, that's a background. But um, I want to have her do it in my, I do want her to do this for my living room. If y'all don't know Marcel, she is a great artist. She absolutely is. Trying she to force absolutely to get her out there. I mean, I talked to her this morning. And I was telling her that um, she needed to promote more of her stuff. Actually, I want to do this. If she could either do it at the top of my stairs or um, in my living room or mm -hmm. my actual walls, that would be everything. I don't know because, of the, but yeah, the brand would probably show up um, because my. I to do it in a. She can do it in a lighter brown. Yeah, yeah. If you ever been to Blue House, he has these bright ass walls. And then he and put these feels, blue lights all around. And it feels like a hookah lounge. And it I feels... I don't like when you're coming down the steps. I don't like that image. That image is really spooky. It oh, I love cool. that. That's my... Oh, that's my that's my good juju mask. <laughs> I try not to it's even it, look at it. it. I try it, to just it, look down. It scares the sin out of you. <laughs> no, it don't scare the sin out of me. It just creeps me out. That's when it does. Oh, that's what it does. That's so because you got, so, you got a lot of sin in you, Satan. No, I'm the angel of your, your bunch. Trust me. Not if you're, you're a not, You're not the angel of the bunch. We know that. I am. I am. I'm the angel of love and debauchery. If you don't, exactly, exactly. Who doesn't we like call, a little? We call them saints. That's you, the saint, then. That's not the angel. <laughs> Got a, two separate types of people. Uh, but I was, I had started talking before you got on about our topic. And it was, uh, we had started talking the other day. And literally on my way here, like I heard the message be you for you. Um, because I see a lot of people now being themselves for what they think people want to see or um, how people want them to be. And I started off the conversation by saying, for me, I always knew who I was. I just dimmed my light to make other people feel comfortable because I felt that my light was maybe blinding to some people or uncomfortable to some people. And I never like to feel, make people, any, anybody to feel uncomfortable, but I made it my issue and I made it my responsibility. And that's a totally different way than what I'm living my life now. Um, mm -hmm. So when someone's uncomfortable around me, I react differently than what I used to. So before, 
someone's discomfort around me turned into a call to action for me. And I don't do that no more. Mm -hmm. You're just going to be uncomfortable. And what made you change? I didn't change. I always was this person. It was just the, the I don't feel the need to bring you to where I'm at. Okay. So I guess not necessarily. Okay, let me rephrase that. What um what changed your response? I was empty. Like I felt empty was because doing that, you drain yourselves of all your natural resources and trying to, and it wasn't pleasing people. I wanted you to feel like I felt on the inside. But I I knew you assumed or wanted me to feel like you felt or thought I was feeling like I don't know what it was really. I was about but to I, say, how did you know that? Um some people say it in so many words. They don't come out and say exactly that, but they definitely say it in so many words. So they just assume that, you know, if you're not like for me, I'm not the perfect what people would deem the perfect size. I don't look like this person or what they would deem as the star. Mm -hmm. But I know I'm great. I know many people who I deem as great deem me as great. So, so who said that? Um, who said you weren't the perfect size? And what were you comparing yourself to? Well, I, I wasn't doing the comparison. But I had this thing in me where I just wanted you to feel comfortable. I knew whatever you were saying to me, it wasn't about me. It was just a reflection of how you saw yourself. That's how I always saw it. But I wanted everybody to feel good. I like when people getting along with each other. I like when everybody's doing their best. I physically like to see people in their space. Like okay. I like to see it. Um, like we were talking about Marnie doing the um, uh, Black to the Future event last Friday. That's why we wasn't here, uh, audience. But um, I like to see, like I like seeing him in a space that he's typically not comfortable in. But the old mm -hmm. made it my business to figure out how to help him solve that problem. Not to say money had a problem, but just figuring out how to help people. Like I like fixing people. That's the the cancer. I think the what's it? The rising something. What's the other one? Your um, moon sign. Yeah. So some I have. I think. Uh, I think I have a Taurus rising moon and something, a cancer is the other one. Ew. I'm allergic to every last one of those. <laughs> Whatever, but the only one I the, the only one I like is the Gemini. And I, um I'm a I'm so I'm I'm almost allergic to that. I take Benadryl you, for you. Don't you have I, a cancer in your home? I, I take Benadryl for him too. <laughs> I was about to say, how the hell? You got a whole cancer in your house. I take Benadryl. I take a lot, lots and lots of Benadryl. <laughs> I suggest a muscle relaxer. Uh, do you know what? you in a nice space. Well, I have some Flexeril too. Because I'm not going to take them all. <laughs> I have some Flexeril too. So if you got some of those, that's fine. You know. No, I that sounds like a narcotic. I don't have that. That's not what you may have is a narcotic. <laughs> No. If you got some, what you got, oxycodone? No, I don't do that. Uh, oh, I'm about no, to say. I know yeah. those birds, but I see that one. 
prescription. I don't even take that to the pharmacist because I don't want that look. Like, is this a junkie? Mm-mm, no. I don't want you to have to go get the pharmacy manager to fill my shit. No. Oh. You got to go through that. I just go get some Tylenol, baby. I'll get some. <laughs> I'll get some Tylenol. But that, that but that's what I that's what I felt. You know, that's that's and it, it was it was it was the cancer in me, like always trying to fix everybody, always trying to control other people's emotions and and you know, juggle those emotions. And the whole time I was emptying myself out. So, so I had to learn is, how to fill me up and give you what is the residual or running over. But when, when you say you had to fix someone, what gave you the notion that they were broken? How they related to me. How they related to you and how were they supposed to let relate to you? Like because their their brokenness was revealed in how they treated me, how they expected things from me, how they they treated me basically. In in so many words, somebody will tell you that they're broken. In so many mm-hmm. words, they some people don't come out and directly say it, but mm-hmm. you know what that means. You know when somebody don't have a good self identity or a, a good um, self-awareness or um, confidence, you, mm. you, you read that on them. Sometimes you don't have to hear it from them. You can read it because it, it reflects in how they treat other people. How they mm. feel about themselves is often a reflection of how they see themselves. And I, and I learned that lesson very young so mm-hmm. I could see it when it was happening in front of me, even when people felt like they were hiding it with all their, you know, expensive clothing and, you know, money mm-hmm. and the exterior stuff. I could mm-hmm. still see it on them. And I always was like, well, let me fix this. I mean, and that's something I learned from my mother. Let's, let me fix it. Okay. I, I don't feel the need to do that anymore. Okay, that's a good spot. Well, I'm glad that you evolved. Um, I think for me, being myself, even creating the the image of blue, that was um, me breaking away from the construct that was created for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that being being Lorenzo was completely different from being blue, because yeah. being Lorenzo was um, Lorenzo was conservative. Lorenzo was. Um, oh, the burgundy, the, the burgundy. Okay, I, I now I get conservative. The burgundy is conservative. <laughs> <laughs> the burgundy that makes him conservative. Okay, I get it. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What happened? Um, well, uh, well, you went, you went um, to uh, be exposed. So I, what I'm saying is the be exposed logo and the. Um, but I'm gonna continue. The um, yeah, I, the Lorenzo was a construct. Um, it was the ideals of someone else as opposed to myself. And I think that um, and when you, so I'm I'm not a parent in a sense where I have my own children. I'm a parent in the sense that I have other people's children. So, mm. <laughs> so literally that's how and I, figuratively. <laughs> well, <laughs> I can't, I, can't, I can't help it if I take care of I take care of sons really well. 
So if you need your son completely taken care of, send him over to mother. Because mm. trust and believe, I have the spirit of an old ass lady deep down inside me. You know that it's a it's a video of me where she was like, I've been cooked these neck bones and some rice. <laughs> That's me. I'm going to fatten you up. I'm going to make you. You're going to know that you've been loved on by me. So if mm. your son needs some good loving, tell him he, he let him know he's going to be. It's, it's in me. Mama going to take care of him. But <laughs> so for me, it was um, the I was concerned. I was much. Lorenzo is much more conservative than blue. Mm-hmm. Lorenzo is much more considerate of others than blue. Blue is more considerate of himself. You know, I think, I, and so that's when I created Blue. I created Blue because I had, um, I struggled with my identity growing up because there wasn't no representation of me. Even within the gay um, population, I didn't see me. I saw mm-hmm. stereotypes. I saw, and those were things that I didn't subscribe to. So that was the biggest issue for me. I knew that I was gay, but I didn't know I wasn't that. So it's I was It's interesting that you brought up the name separation because I think a lot of people do that in personas. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people know how to health to be healthy in their personas, and some people just simply try to hide themselves within it. And well, there's a difference. And so for me, that was my way of um that was my self-care. When I created Blue, I created Blue because I did not know how to manage the two, like, effectively. And Mm so what happened was um, when I was in middle school, I created Blue because middle school was really traumatic for me. Middle school and high school was really traumatic for me, not because I went through a whole lot of, it was bullying or anything. It was just that it was hard to navigate it when you didn't see yourself and then you were trying to socially interact with others and you yeah. didn't know how to go about it. And so, and you didn't know what was acceptable behavior. I didn't know, I can't say anyone else. I didn't know what was acceptable or unacceptable. And it was easy for things that I did to be construed. And so that was a, a difficult time for me. So I created Blue as a way of, as a persona to blame. So when I was Blue, then I could be all of these things that I considered to be negative. But what I realized was when I was blue, I was actually being honest. Mm-hmm. And that was something I think a lot of adults don't know. I think we as young people, um, well, young people and parents have a different definition of what honesty looks like and is. And so for me, being honest was um, being absolutely transparent with myself and mm-hmm. saying these are the things that um, I'm afraid of, and these are the things that I need in order for me to thrive. And that's when I started to actually step into blue, which is why I, I am blue most of the times as opposed to Lorenzo. I'm only at Lorenzo when I'm at work. <laughs> and only and that's because I am suppressing a lot of who I am, you know, um, when I'm there because I'm considering other individuals. But mm-hmm. At the, so it's kind of putting one persona in the passenger seat and giving the other, giving the other persona that, uh, um, the Permission ability to drive. to drive. And what create what allowed me to create that was um, my study of dissociative identity disorder, and what had, which for any anyone that's actually paying attention or 
knows anything about mental health. Dissociative identity disorder is what they used to call multiple personality disorder. And what we know about that is, is that individuals that struggle with multiple personality disorders experience some sort of trauma and their, um, their um, personality or their mind fractured into different um, constructs, personality constructs that they would assume when they were in, um, when they experienced some form of duress. So if they were stressed out in any way, shape, or form, they would mm -hmm. assume a different persona to deal with it. So that I, was very intriguing. I think I me. did that briefly in my twenties um, because the type of people that I started to hang around were not who I could down the line see myself with. And what has happened? None of those people are around me. And it was something. It it lasted longer than. I wanted it to learn because I started to see those people as humans and as people, and they wasn't just characters that I had accumulated in reality. But mm -hmm. I, I, I think I went through that briefly. But going back a little bit to the the naming thing, that was that's an interesting thing because I didn't. I think that's why I go by Nate because I typically don't. I don't like nicknames. I, I never like nicknames. I never like um, being called like even words of affection from somebody you're in a relationship. I don't typically like that because I like my name. Oh, so you don't like being called Sugar Lump? No, I don't. Oh. I, don't. I, tell oh. You, I tell you to not do that shit every single time. Oh, Sugar Lump. <laughs> I don't because, you know, because often people do that. And that's them becoming familiar with you, and you haven't given them that permission. <laughs> and for me, it was it was adults in my life. It was really it wasn't even children. Like most of the people who who knew me have known me long a long time. They call me by my first name. My family calls me by my first name. And you know, typically in your family, everybody has some type of nickname, but my family doesn't do that. Or so my funny. family will call me Mr. Cowser. So the funny thing is, is that my name um, has was often um, mispronounced. And mm. So no one actually called me by my name, except for individuals that were in my family, immediate family. And mm. they didn't even call me. They shortened my name. So yeah. I was I, I was very rarely that someone actually called my name. So um, but it was interesting that, you know, that was another thing that no one actually called my name. They always looked called me some form of my name and it was always wrong and I might believe that my name is very easy Lorenzo that's easy Lorenzo Lorenzo that's easy well I started using I've, I've been everything I got taught of being called Nathaniel yeah see I and see I've been everything other than Lorenzo I've been a Delfonso a Lonzo Alonzo and that's your name and that's yes. how you know dyslexia is real no, I don't think that I don't believe it's dyslexia because they're creating they're creating absolute. That's a whole entire new name. I just believe it's just illiteracy. No, well, that's, <laughs> no, that's a part of dyslexia. Like you really see things, words move around, so they become something totally different. But and see, now, a lot of functional dyslexics in the world. No, no, when you just can't. No, that's not the same. 
Dyslexia is when you actually see the word in a pattern or a position that's not like it's supposed to be. It's upside mm -hmm. down, it's backwards or something like that. At least they're seeing some semblance of the word. However, when you completely call me a completely different name and you add a consonant that's there that you know you don't see there. <laughs> There's a that lady, there's a lady in my, my school. She was like, I'm just gonna call you Mr. C because I can't say I said you can say it. Repeat after me. I'll just correct you every time. But just try it. My name not C. What's is what's it, what is it? It's what? Kowser. My name is Kowser. Uh, I call you Sugar Lump. No, you don't. <laughs> he is never gonna be that. Do not, do not let him fool you all like that. But I really, you know, it it. It was a it was a different persona only because literally and and I think I spoke it into existence because for the most part I think one percent of those people I'm actually on speaking terms with, you know, or at least communicate with them. But the rest of them, because I, I saw, but I saw that happening because it was mm -hmm. just me trying something new. It was me, you know, it was a part of me that would go out to the paradox. Like I was telling Marnie before we started, I was just in, and you probably know the person. I was in a, a family dollar off mm -hmm. of, I'm gonna say where it was at. But I was um I went into the store, I went into the store and I had asked him the price of something. And he was like, I now mind you, I have my mask on. And um I didn't wear glasses back then I wore contacts. And he uh he mm -hmm. said uh I remember you from somewhere. And I was like, um, couldn't be me. I don't, I don't do nothing. So, and I mm -hmm. knew who he was, but it was. I think that part of me kicked in again. It was like separate yourself, and I, because I did not want to be remembered for that part of my life, even though I value that part because I learned a lot of valuable lessons. It's just I remember the, that part of your life. You were kind of you were the you were the child of the night. <laughs> no, I just went out and had fun. But oh. it, it was it and, and some people now they be like Nate come have fun and I just I am comfortable sitting in my studio creating art like I'm I've never been a a person like that I did that because I thought Nate like you can't want to be this and and as I get older I do I do I, I enjoy going out and having fun in moments. But mm -hmm. it's always with a group of people that I know well and I want to be around. It's not people that you feel comfortable with. Yeah, feel comfortable with, but it's is a people that I've chosen to be around. I don't want to go out and see a big party. Like we're planning to go to where where is that the Dominican Republic in December, Marnie? Yes. It so, is. Yes. So, so something like that. Now, I know it's going to be people there that I don't know, but chances are I'm going to either hang by myself or I'm going to hang with the people and be around those other people that I don't know. And I don't, I don't, I'm good at separating stuff. And I think like, like you said, that Nate versus Nathan, because Nathan for me was, I was a professional even when I was a child. My mother made me, she gave me that name because she wanted me to be somebody's CEO of somebody's Fortune 500. And she said that. But, and so that name was associated with family and with individuals. Even calling me Mr. Cowser makes me cringe because that associates me with like my dad and his family and my mom. Like it just, like I, I go by Nate. 
That's it. Mm -hmm. Because it's very nondescript. Because then most people think my name is Nathaniel. So then I know they don't know me. So when they do that, so that uh, that helps me to separate people who don't know me from the people who do. Because especially as Black people, we have a, a habit of just wanting to be familiar from the first interaction, even well, though I, we don't trust it. And I think that that's important that you should you 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 mention is that one there's a lack of trust, mm -hmm. um, and that people don't know you. And I think that because we are operating from a very guarded space that it's hard for us to allow people in because we don't trust who's going to steal our stuff. You get what I mean? Like we family, friends, anyone, we just don't know who's going to walk off with those special parts of us and mm -hmm. not return them, borrow parts of us and not, you know, and, and, and so that's a major thing for me is, is that I had to learn how to be trusting, even though I lived in a, 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 a untrusting and a distrustful world. You get what right. I mean? It's like um, that's exact. That's like, exactly what I mean. I just had to learn how to do it without it being so separated. So you can still be in my space, but if you if you call me by Nathaniel, I know you don't know me. But see, I think that that's important. Even when you say they don't know you, do you provide an opportunity for them to know? Yes, because but, I know with me, like the idea of me letting people in. So that that like the gentleman who said something to me today, you would think you know me because I was around you. And mm -hmm. I don't want you to misconstrue our relationship level. Because some people would just lean in on that. And I used to just let it happen. So I let the wrong people in my life. So some of the people who I know today were friends of friends of friends. I used to say I have a bad habit of making best friends with the friend of a friend. And those people became my best friends because those were people who I got to choose to be around. The other people were people who I just let in my life. So then- well, so, But the thing is, I, is, that, what, is that a bad habit? It, it, at one time it was a bad habit because it, it, if you looked at all the people who considered themselves my friend and I was mutual in that, they were always friends of friends. And that happens, but typically we stay friends with this person and then we're cordial with all those people. Like I I began to make it, it, it wasn't, I don't want to call it a habit, but my deepest relationships started happening with the people who were second, third generation. Because I, I took more time to get to know those people than I did the first generation people. And that just taught me how to make friends. Now, I didn't want to keep doing that because then that created a rift between the first generation friend because they like, mm -hmm. are you just coming and just making friends with my friends? Like, some people are uncomfortable with that. Me, not as much, but I understand it now because I went through it. But just, just I, I like for people to take their time with me. I don't like people to rush into things. I don't like overly aggressive people or people who make friends the first day. Like I think what you're doing right now is very important. I think that a lot of times there's an assumption that individuals know who we are and what right. our needs and wants are, and they really don't. And right. I think that truth be told is that um, we don't realize how, Im how important communication is and how right. it is very important to know how to effectively communicate. Like people, we talk. 
but do are we actually communicating with one another? Are you actually trying to understand right. where I'm coming from? You know, and I think a lot of times what happens, and I see this with myself, you know, um, even though, you know, I, I've learned how to communicate, I still sometimes see myself um, communicating, pre preparing for the defense, as opposed to- Yeah, because you did you know, it with me. That's how, you, that's how you treated me for years. Yeah, yeah, yes, because you know what? You just, you need, I need, you need to be defensive against and you. When it's, you know what is funny? What you do to me now is what I used to do to you then. Like I exactly. used to stop him at random. I used to stop him at random. It was always either you were walking home up Charles Street or something, and I would see him, or we would be coming. Or he would, you would always leave in campus, and I was going on campus, and I would stop him, and I would purposely do it because I could tell like this nigga is not feeling whatever it is I'm giving in this moment. And it, now he does the exact opposite to me, and it is very fucking annoying. It's very oh, what, what? Well, so no. First of all, the reason why I was that way was because um, the experience that I was having, usually, like I said, it was in passing. It was usually at school. So me passing you in school, your involvement in school and my involvement in school was different because I was a non-traditional student. And you were a, yeah, you were more traditional than I was. You were you um you were in you participated in clubs. Okay. You were doing okay. you were doing I things. Say, nigga, I was then I was way over eighteen when I started. No, but in terms of you actually experiencing college, you involved yourself in a lot of the stuff that was going on, and I did. And so I was in. I was more so. I'm going to class. I'm leaving. Because usually I didn't have the time to actually socialize. And the individuals that I socialized with were individuals that were actually in my class. I developed the most relationships with those that I was in class. So you are actually the only person that has never been in a class with me that I've actually connected. And so when I would see you, I knew that you, I, I thought you were humorous. But then I was like, you know, I, like, okay. I was like, you know, this is an interesting character. I don't know what, you know. <laughs> Why he wants to talk to me. <laughs> I see. And then when I heard, I, I saw that you were in the theater, I said, now I understood why you were an interesting character because most theater majors are interesting characters. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, this makes sense. And But I liked your personality. And now I have a ver I am biased about a lot of things. And the, the reason why is based off of my experiences. And so for me, dealing with, um, I would say uh, the intellectual males, or they would tend to be a lot more sarcastic and a lot more, they had a lot of things to prove. And mm -hmm. so I really didn't, I, my patience has really been with a lot of people. And so when I, you gave off certain energy, if you were arrogant or condescending or, you know, extra for no reason. Yeah, that's it. Huh? The same thing that you've given now, you couldn't fake it now. Oh, no. I See, I'm not a smart ass. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not a smart ass. I am not. I'm so approachable. And see, I don't even have to well, say that. Anyone... But you're still a smart ass. You're the no. type of person that'll be like, hey, and then talk you when you get near. If I know you, because you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs>
if I know you, and so for you, yeah, if I because I you would deserve it. But then I don't need to choke you because you'll choke yourself. Because what I'll do is I'll make you laugh, and then you'll just start choking on whatever you got in your mouth. So, <laughs> but no, yeah, it was it was really different. And I think um, when we don't communicate effectively, that's when a lot of things happen. Like even with me, again, you were saying that this is be you for you. I had to figure out who was I. You know who you know who I was personally, and then see, um, the, the thing was, people normally gravitate to me because typically I'm the quiet person. Like, and I get to know you, right, right. So people normally gravitate towards me. There's only been a few people who I've chosen to befriend. Well, and uh, also because I was like trying I initiated to it rather, right? Because I was trying to figure me out. I had to figure out what what I who I was first. And so I had to take on, I had to put on different faces and see, well, is this my face? Is this my face? And when I finally said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're putting a, you're, you're putting a mask on top of a mask, on top of a mask. Take all of that off, and that's your face. And when I got uncomfortable with my face, then I started to show up more. And I realized the face that I was was blue. You know, that Lorenzo was someone that was created. And it was unfortunate because that individual was someone that, you know, um, that I believe, you know, exists within me, but it is not me. You know, right. it is not race. I'm, I'm but it's a part, a part of you that it is because a part of me is. I mean, Nate. absolutely. Absolutely. A part of me is Nate. like Nate for me is the artist that most people meet when I'm in my creative space. But if I'm randomly out or especially in this space by myself, I'm Nathan. Nathan mm -hmm. is quiet. Nathan is very reserved. Nathan is the, the rich white lady that many of my crazy friends assume I am. But Nathan is the person who... We know that's a lot. But it, it, it just... But it really... And I so often, I'm more Nathan than I am Nate. Nate can turn himself on. I'm doing the Black to the Arts District. Me, like when I told people that I was doing radio, they was like, well, how are you going to do that? Because they wasn't used to me being or trying to be the life of the party. Naturally, I draw attention to myself. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it could be the way I dress or what I have on. I used to always have like a crazy hairstyle because I realized I was doing things like even now me making jewelry. I wear big, bold pieces so people can ask me about it. And then I talk to them about my jewelry. So that's mm -hmm. typically how things work for me. So I don't I don't start off being that way. So it's, it's weird when certain people, certain people meet me as Nate. Because then they expect for that person to always be on. So mm -hmm. now when I'm having a bad day, uh, my friend Radiance, every time we talk now on the phone, she's like, I don't like when you're not you're not 100. And I'm like, this is really who I am. Like, I really don't talk much. So on the phone for me, like, if you can get me to talking, like, you good. Mm -hmm. But typically, even on the phone, I'm the person that listen the most. Or in in environments, I'm the person that listen. That's why I got so good at listening or being able to examine people because I'm watching you the whole time. I'm What's listening so and I'm watching you. Right. And so now, as I got older, the personas merged. 
So now that I'm at where I'm at, it's not, there isn't a separation. Blue is Lorenzo, Lorenzo is blue. But before that wasn't the case, I had to separate the two. I'm going to get you out of that burgundy because I don't want that Lorenzo. Oh, is more burgundy. Well, I'm a, you get me out the burgundy when you come out them dashikis. Because let me tell you something. Ah, <laughs> but you like my dashikis though. I mean, and that's because I'm. That's because I like burgundy. So if <laughs> the re the reason I like burgundy is the reason you wear dashikis. Well, it's not the burgundy per se. It's just the burgundy. <laughs> the blues and the purple. <laughs> See, I can wait. First of all, it wasn't burgundy, it was wine. And <laughs> you do have it. You always say I didn't get that drink, but you got it. Uh, you got it's wine. It. So I'm, I'm going to need you to know the differentiation. <laughs> I do know it, but I just wanted to see if you knew what you were no, talking about. It was wine. It was wine. And when you're refined, you wear wine, not burgundy. Well, excuse me. Excuse you. Pardon moi. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think when also in relationships, when you're able to, I feel with a lot of, well, I'm only speaking for me. Um, mm -hmm. It was hard for me to establish intimate relationships because I didn't know how to articulate what it was that I needed. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to, um, it wasn't so much define me. I didn't know how to um, present myself, you know? So when someone asked who I was, I didn't know. I couldn't give them a, a definitive answer to that. And that was something that I struggled with because when you're getting to know someone, you're, you want to know in them intimately. Like, you know, what are your mm -hmm. fears? What are your, what, what do you see yourself in the future? You know, um, you what do you like? know, it can become a real boundary issue. What are your strengths? What are your, that, um... I'm the opposite. I'm mm -hmm. the person that be like, so tell me a little bit more about yourself. Well, I mean, I, and that's the normally what I get. So when I dig deep, especially in romantic relationships, it happened in friendships too, but most of, most of the time when I'm dating someone, it becomes friction because I'm trying to get out of them. Like you said, something they don't even know. Right. But I had to recognize that I didn't know if even for myself. So mm -hmm. for me to kind of look at them um, and, and judge that they didn't know themselves, I kind of, you know, I was like, well, how can you actually look at them and say, well, they're not um, being 100% or they don't know who they are when you don't know who you are. And then when it was time for me to be intimate, I, I couldn't convey what it was that I wanted. Because again, um, the construct was something like I hadn't experienced everything to say what it is that I like or dislike. And that's one of my major like uh, pet peeve is when you say you don't like something, you've never experienced it. So, I'm like, but okay. that's the, so when people, when I'm in the moment, I mm. realize that's a struggle. But that's why I don't, have, I'm never really in the moment. My mind is always in thought or creativity or drifting. Mm -hmm. Because I, I'm able to examine my wants and my needs, and I know how to articulate that. And I mm. realize, especially a lot of guys, don't know that. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and a, that's, that's my conflict with people. Like, I know what I want, 
and I've I've settled because oh you know what you want huh oh you know what you want oh you know what you want yes bullshit say I'm I know what I want but I've I've often had to settle because people who are around me don't know and I used to dumb myself down a lot I remember being in being in, um, by the time I got to middle school, I used to get teased because of how I spoke. Because I could, I could say a fifteen dollar word in my regular conversational tone, and the adult, not just the children, because the children wouldn't know what the hell I was saying. The adults would just look mm-hmm. at me and either think I was being arrogant or, you know, thinking I was better than. Like my aunts and uncles, to this day, they think I think I'm better than them. Because that's how I used to talk. But if you're in a space where you're learning more and then the people around you aren't, you always will come across as condescending or arrogant. So but I think knowing what I was learning. Right. Like why, see, for why me, encourage me to go to these schools if you don't want me to bring it home? Well, see, and I think that because mine was because I was the my my religion, my background was Jehovah's mm-hmm. Witness. And so they were very conservative. So that's yeah. where a lot of how my my foundation was based upon. Um, but what it was what what I struggled with was because they were so rigid that you didn't actually experience the colors of life. So everything right. was just black and white. But I saw the world in colors, and so I wanted to experience those colors. And it was hard for me to do that when there was so many things. It was kind of the difference of like you know seasoned food and unseasoned food. And it was, to me, their food was unseasoned. And I wanted to taste the actual seasonings, you know, the different seasonings. And, and that's when I started to, contra- I started to um, question a lot of the things because it didn't make sense to me. And it seemed like it was really complicated to live because you had all of these rules. And I was like, damn, well, when do you actually experience life? And you, know why, you know why I think we get along? Because everything you say, my experience is polar opposite. Like, literally polar opposite. See, no, I had a very colorless existence. And with the reason why I love color, the people think that for a long time, and still to this day, many people think that because I wear makeup, like eyeshadow and things, that it's because I'm gay. It is not. It is because I have, I was, um, Absolutely, absolutely. Not. It was a lady. But... It uh, has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, <laughs> it's actually because it's I, I, I was my colors were so bland growing up, so mm-hmm. they were so like they were just um, monochromatic, you know, one color, black, white, brown, and that was it. Tan, and there was no variance. And so I, when it was time for me to you know, have a color palette. I didn't know how to blend colors. I didn't know what colors work with one another. So it was hard for me because it was so black and white for me growing up. And so um, when I started to see things in color and started to experience life in color, uh, that's when I started to question a lot more things. I was like, oh, damn, you know, I didn't know this is what it was like to be blue. And I didn't know what this what this is what it felt like to be red. And I didn't know that this is what it felt like to be green. And when I started to have those experiences, that's when I started to really gain some wisdom because I was like, you know, then I'm off to step up, actually experience it life. And not saying that everything was 
wonderful because absolutely it wasn't. But the reality is, is that I would, I, if I had a choice, I would prefer the things that I've experienced when after I left being a Jehovah's Witness as opposed to when I was a Jehovah's Witness. I have a friend that had that same type of experience and he ended up moving to Atlanta and his life is really flourishing in all the arrays of the color. And part of me has always wondered, should I have moved when I was younger? Because my existence is a little bit different. I had, like, everybody in my family is fucking crazy and fucking on a spectrum of colors and, and dimensions and all that. They just, that's just who they are. Like, I have a lot of funny people in my family. I have a lot of creative people in my family. The difference is they did not harness it. Oh. You know, some people just are, and that's just, they just live their life. Like, I got this this extra arm right here, and I'm just going, it's just an extra arm. You never utilize it. You never put it to work, but you just got it, and that just makes you different. So I had all these different people in my family that were extremely talented, from great-grandmother to baby cousins, but none of them ever used it. So for me, I was the black and white vanilla character in the mm. family. And, and so I naturally had the colors on me because I was a part of all of them. But for me, I just used the colors. Like I knew how to naturally do it because I would sit and watch them for so long. Like I used to have these visions as a child that this table that I'm sitting at fell apart. And my mind would put it back together. And I just, one, because I was clumsy and I always broke shit. But the other reason, because I just naturally saw how to bring things together and put them back together. So mm -hmm. I'm the person in my family that is utilizing all of the crayons in the coloring box. But Me, that... I'm most comfortable mm -hmm. sitting somewhere, being quiet, not seen like I'm most comfortable like that because that's who I am at my core but all mm -hmm. the other layers of me have all of those colors and dimensions and shapes and sizes to it mm -hmm. and it's just a weird space to be in because mm -hmm. now I can see my family like oh okay let me do, like I, I have a lot of people who are now discovering themselves mm -hmm. like, at this age or I have family members who who never would have done certain things who are now doing it and then of course you have the family members that are just going the polar opposite direction mm -hmm. but it 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 is interesting watching people flourish now especially family members flourish now because it, it's what i wanted for them like like i could see it like do it like mm -hmm. go out there and do it and I, I try to find even in my own work i try to find ways to include them or to, you know, make them a part of it, but it doesn't work. It does because I've been doing it too long and they just don't get it the way I get it. So the odd thing is, is, is that um, because of who I am now, I think in uh, my behavior, who, how I conduct myself, I give people permission to be themselves around me. So, I, you know, you don't have to be um, inhibited in any way, shape or form. But when I'm dealing with young people, I, it's always interesting because I think I see myself as young at heart. So I'm always 
I have this energy to me, and I am. Um, but when I'm with the young people, I'm their auntie. I'm always, you know, I'm the 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 aunt, the um, I guess the the raunchy, rowdy auntie in the mm. family for everybody. And I don't see myself as that, but they see me as that, so I'm okay with that. They put me in that yeah. space, but that that you know that, but that's who I become because they are able to be themselves. They'll tell me stuff that they may not tell their parents or their intimate um, um, partner or, and they confide in me because I don't really, the way I am, I don't judge the color that they are, you know? But, I, but you, what is, and you've gotten a chance to meet a couple of my family members, but you are who they expect me to be. Oh. Like when I started going to college and being in all the art stuff, you are the person who they thought was going to come back home. Oh. <laughs> so when, so it's, it's interesting. You got to meet two of my cousins and my aunt. And mm -hmm. what, is, what is very funny, they, they think I'm the turn-up kid. So they, you know, they like to drink and party. And I'm the one sitting there, very reserved, very... My my cousin that you met, we call each other twin, and we are we are the same person on the inside, but she likes to turn up, and I'm the person that's just gonna be there to catch her when she pass out, and mm -hmm. then they expect they expect for you to walk through the door when I come in. And, yeah, oh, no, and, and even pointed every single time. That's <laughs> that's how people. I can tell that's how people want to relate to me. But it's not who I am, so I can't pretend mm -hmm. to be that. Like if I if I tried to show up as blue, it would be hilarious or say some wow. extreme because it's not who I really am. Right. So it just mm -hmm. so even even when all of you all be like, "Come on, Nate, I'm good. I'm the well, person see, that likes to watch and and." Do I don't, but I don't see. I think that you assume that you don't turn up, but with me, you actually did. Um, you let your, you you but let you let but you still but still see how my turn up is. But this say, so how I'll, it that's I'll because say, you're on a thousand, so everything looked like at least five hundred to you. Well, everything. I, when you let your head, head, you let your head down. Um, but I'm naturally that way once I'm comfortable. But notice right. when it's other people in the room that I don't know. I'm not that way. Right. And it's not, it's not necessarily even a protective thing. It's just I have to scope out people. And I have to see that, and feel but, energy. But it is. And I don't mm -hmm. want you to feel like, I don't think that it's wrong to say that. Mm -hmm. I think that when we say that, I think it, a lot of things that we do, we kind of have a negative connotation with. No, it's okay to say that I'm protecting my energy. I'm protecting my space when I'm around people that I'm not familiar with because you don't want, that's again, like you opening your house to people that you don't know. You don't say, yeah. you don't leave your doors open so that everyone can flow through. No, you yeah. kind of filter out who can come into your house and who can't. And, uh, and, and even when you have filtered out, there are always some person that slips in that you think that it is supposed to be there and they show you that they're not. So it's people okay. People say, are you okay? What's wrong? Right. And I'm it's like, I'm good. Like this, right. I'm it's good to be that way. 
I'm this right. I'm that way too. And in spaces where I'm, you know, I'm not familiar with the individuals, I'm guarded. I'm I'm very guarded. And it's okay to mm -hmm. be that way. But being honest and saying I'm, you know, I'm getting familiar with everyone. Because as soon as I'm familiar enough, you'll start to see me shift and say, yeah. okay, now I'm I'm comfortable. But in waters that I'm comfortable, I'm a swim. But if I'm mm -hmm. not comfortable, I'm not jumping out in the, uh, the middle of the pool and I don't know how deep it is. No, thank you. I'm going to sit on the sideline. I'm going to be on this wall and I'm going to be pet, like, but picking I can, my leg. But I can, be, I can be that person in my own lane. It don't have to include anybody. But I, I think because I'd be so extreme with it, like, if it's just you and I, and then people start coming, and then I become quiet, Nate, because I have, I'm really analyzing everybody. And it's something that naturally, it's not even something that I necessarily consciously like, okay, I'm about to do that now. It just mm -hmm. happens as a result of just time or just energy. And like, it just happened because I turn into this person that's just, I'm not even judging. I'm just, I have to watch. I like to watch people when they don't think anybody's watching them. Because then when they notice it's me, oh, that's him I feel. Then they either want to stay far away from me or they want to get really close to me. Like people who typically meet me like that, they become very touchy-feely. And I'm not a touchy-feely person. And I realized I'm attracting a person to me. Like I learned that a long time ago. Like, Nick, you're actually attracting them to you. So they want to be close to you. They want to be near you. But other than that, I'm like, you I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm a, and see, I'm the opposite because I'm a very intimate person. So I need physical touch. Um, mm -hmm. Now, I'm not that I don't. I think because I'm just naturally hot. I don't want you to be clingy on me because then if I start to sweat and then you become icky to me. But I do like I like I like physical forms of affection. I like intimate conversations. And so I am a sapiosexual. I think with stim I like intellectual conversations. Yeah. Um, now I don't want to be talking about quantum physics and shit all the damn time, and I don't want to talk about um, comic book shit either. And I don't want, you know, I want to, I want variation. But I do like so people um, don't like people are more comfortable getting into the deepness with bound with 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 uh, tools like that. Like Nothing. sports or anime or people are comfortable doing because that becomes a boundary for them. Like for me, I want to learn more about you. So if you if I discover those things about you, then that's great. But I'm the person that's asking you about you. But I realize, especially in this city, in cities like this, especially with black men, they are not comfortable with you seeing who they really are. I don't actually, and that's where I don't think that's completely true. I just think that they don't trust people yeah. enough to be who they are. You get what I'm saying? Like, I feel like with a lot of Black men, that the ones that I've, and see the, the guys that I connect to aren't stereotypically guys that I'm supposed to connect to. So right. for me, I, I'm I'm more inclined to connect to the little murders. And and because those, they, and oddly enough, they tend to be the very intellectual um, intimate individuals, but and it's contradictory of, of who they are when in the world. So when yeah. I get them in a space where they feel safe, they open up, they talk to me, and I'm able to get something out of them. I feel is the jewel, which is I get to see them in a, a naked space, literally and figuratively sometimes. 
But what I'm saying is, is that they're able to be themselves and they're not being judged on anything that they are or, who, you know, what well, they the, present. The, only, the slight difference for me, those individuals typically attract themselves to me sexually and then they want to get to that deeper place. And see, I, I think for it's the opposite. I think what happens yeah. is, is that because I have a, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't. I'm just sexy. You can say it. Go ahead. I don't. I'm not. I think I'm a sexual person. I think that what I they said, say. I, I am sexy. That's. I didn't say anything. That, mm, no. I see. Now I was just going to say you was a sugar lump. I wasn't going <laughs> to. I just. I ain't going to say that. I will not. Let, I mean, you it, I, I get you it. Are, you are. I'm not gonna ever take anything away from you. You are, but the again, you like, you're you're a sugar lump to me. So you, you gotta, for me, you you know, you uh, you gotta. We get it. We get you gotta it. Stretch your legs out. It. You gotta get a knee elongation. Um, you gotta kill a few people. No, <laughs> you gotta kill a few people. Um, <laughs> So no, but no. What I'm saying is, is that uh, I think that it depends on um, the energy that you present when you're meeting people. And because I'm where I am with me, myself, where I'm okay with being me, which is why I spell my name blue. It, the first letter is B. The I last thought name you is just dyslexic. No, everything that I do, it has a rationale to it. It's, I mean, I, I, there's a reason for everything that I do. And so it, I'm always a front. Like, oh, slightly. Um, I'm, I'm not really. <laughs> I, first of all, when I was in the third grade, I was reading the Bible. So uh, anyone who's actually reading the Bible in the third grade. Um, well, that, that I, that I mean, I didn't attack your intelligence. I just said you're a little slow. That don't mean you, you said you, you said a little slow. A little spectrum -ish. I might be. I mean, I might be. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from you. Said you, like to, you typically attract those people on the spectrum, but. What? I mean, I, light, I've been with light, one Light has to see light. So I, I mean, look, they have their strengths. <laughs> I make it work for me. <laughs> look, I, there's, there's a, I find some positive in anything. Like if one side of your body is taller than the other, I am going to I'm going to find something to do with that that short side and that long side. So <laughs> Get me out of here! Get me out of here! Check your inbox. But that, I, but that I literally was when I was like I said when I was driving. Mother is telling like, you to check your inbox. Mother is telling you inbox. to check. Yes. I'm not Check checking my in, in, because somebody may have said something to you while you were uh, talking about being a freak. My messenger. Uh, Good morning, sunshine. Oh, he sent me this um, meme. It says Chris Rock says Hollywood Unlock reports that Chris Rock says. Will Smith ripped his mask off and showed he was ugly as the rest of us after Oscar fiasco. So that so so when I when I mentioned um, when I meant but but see that's what I meant when I said 
people normally say it, but they don't, they're not direct with it. That that message to me shows that Chris Rock has an insecurity. But he said that. No, 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 I'm just saying, but most people would not have most people would have choose not to see it that way, or they just wouldn't have seen it that way. But when I when I have something like I've had people say stuff like that to me, but I always can see that oh Chris Rock just has some insecurities about himself. And because somebody, because somebody had a real, real moment, moment, because he had a real moment, uh, you're now using this as an open door to now jump him. So, mm -hmm. oh, shit. oh, yeah. So, and the, the comments are not favorable for this at all. Because like, you don't want to let this go. And now you're using it to make money off of it. Well, no, but, but, but he really, but see, what happened was, and I knew this was going to happen. That's why I stopped talking about it. At some point, it was gonna go away, mm -hmm. and Chris Rock's uh, the way he was handling was, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the people destroy. You. I ain't even gotta say nothing. But they, that's not even how they're even looking at it now. They're looking at it as if he had, you know, a after it, you know, that's how it, you know, kind of felt. But now they're like, you 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 use your silence is that so you could use this in your comedy tool. Because he's yeah. been all these dead but, interviews that he's declined, so he can talk about it in his comedy tour. Mm -hmm. Like one of these comments right here, I'm gonna read this one. This one says, um, "He should have remained silent." Now I feel like he deserved it. Yeah. But why? Because the way he's talking about it in his uh, in his tour, he's capitalizing off of it, right? But it, it, but he's not acting as the victim now. No, he, I mean, he was the victim, but what he's done is he's now, he's used. But was he, he the victim? Yes. Right there, that's what I mean. He's, he was, he was, he's supposed to be the victim, right? But now he's going uh -huh. to assault again in his tour. I mean, but that's what he does. He's a comedian and he uses the platform of taking something that's tragic and making it comedic. But for him, not, that it, that's not working for comics like it used to work, though. That's the problem. It, has, it is. Life, well, well, what's happening is real life is starting to happen. And now the audience has just as much of a platform as the talent has. But the which I can which now go to social media or be in your comment section now. Right. That's fine. That's but I think what, 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 what we're looking at is is that he's taken something that was supposed to, because when it initially it was all for Chris Rock, and what he did was he switched it around and said, I'm going to capitalize off of it. But he did that first, though. He did, he just thought his silence would handle will, and then I if if, if I just I limit my access, my access to, or limit other people's access to me, i.e. the interviewers, then the momentum of build, and when I got this new special out, they gonna come out. I and think see that's it. no. I, I think that what happened was what I think is is that he was strategic, and what was the assumption was is that his quietness or his his silence was because you know what I'm gonna just let it die down or I'm gonna let them do this. No, I think what he was saying was I think his silence was. I'm going to figure out how I can use this to work for me, and I'm going to capitalize on it as right, much as possible. They, right there, though. Right there, though. Right. Mm -hmm. But see, now the question is: Is do you think your audience thinks this is funny? Yes. That's not the sentiment. No, but it's not though, because that's not the sentiment you received. The sentiment you received was that we were on your side because you got assaulted. 
Now you're so, making jokes about the assault. That, and what I'm telling you is that everybody, it, that, that that sentiment has backfired on him. No. So what I'm saying is how many of his how many of his shows have sold out? And Will Smith no, they sold out on the purpose of supporting you and in your Hello. struggle. And now that has backfired on you because you now turned this into a comedic special when this was not funny. We still talk about assault here. But and now I, I everybody, like I say, this is being, in the media right now, he's being torn apart for what he's now saying in his comedy show. Okay. And they can, but that's the, he's capitalizing off of it. And the fact is, is that he's doing the same stuff that he was doing if you saw him when you walked and you came because. He, the, I'm quite sure that the stuff that he's doing in this special or whatever it is that he's doing is what he's been touring with. So it's not, di the difference is, is now we're able to see it because yeah, we weren't, we didn't have access to that show. His first started was so sympathetic to his plight, to what happened to him. And now, right. like now the comments is like, he's dragging this out. I don't know why he's still talking about this. Why won't he move on? That's the right. And I think that's, I think that is, and that, I don't believe that's a him issue. That's a you issue because you don't have to tune that's into it. That's he's catering to. That's the point. It's not just a him issue. It's your pocket issue too because eventually your money going to dry up. Well, what's, I, I just think it's like when you tell a joke over and over again, it's like, all right, we heard this joke. Yeah. You know what but I'm that's, what I think so that's, I think that's what we joke. are kind of saying the same thing. But I just think it's it's not going to go the way he thought it would go. I mean, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, and I'm not saying that I disagree. What I'm saying is, is that it's not to me. It is, it's it's to be expected. He's a comedian. He's capitalizing off a situation that anybody else wouldn't know how to spin it, but he's spun it to benefit him. Now, is it getting old? Well, yeah, it's a year later. If you're still talking about the time that somebody drug your ass down a step a whole year later, then, you know, you need some new material. Like, okay. And that's what I was getting ready to say, because it sounds like what I'm hearing now from what I'm looking at in these comments right now is that they're saying now, like, he deserves it. Now I'm starting to feel they're like, I'm starting to feel like he deserved it. <laughs> well, right. I mean, I think because I think the, I think the reason that they feel that way is because when he does his jokes about, like, even with the Jadis, it was a redundant joke. So it's like, okay, yo, get some new shit. Your shit is not as funny. Well, you played it out. Like, if it was a fresh joke, then they would have been like, oh, yeah, okay, I haven't heard that, so I'm going to laugh it off. But you've been telling the same joke, so now it's like, now are you being malicious? You get what yeah. I'm saying? So yeah. that, and so what they're saying is you don't know how to let the fucking joke go. And you, part of that is because this, the entire time, the reason why their relationship evolved into this in the first place is because he's always been malicious. And that's yeah. why it happened. But I think it's a lot of them, though. It's just that this, this their, their fight wasn't mainstream. Their arguments and stuff in the background, it wasn't mainstream. And mm -hmm. now, with the slap, it made it mainstream, but still no one knew about the past incident. All well, I mean, I think that, and I mean, I get it. So I'm not saying what I'm saying because I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't see, I don't see a point. I do see a point. I just think that people, if you pay attention to comedians and stuff like that, then they're making a big thing about something that if you know comedians, this is the, what they do. You know, they do some uh, janky shit and then they spin it so that they can capitalize off of it. And for him, he just so happened that he, I never really thought he was funny. 
So I never really found him entertaining <laughs> for those individuals because I thought his jokes were dry to me. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I believe that it was all that's just my that dry and borderline disrespectful. They, they weren't so I never, you know, I, I never, now that's not to say that he doesn't, I mean, he has some funny moments, but at the end of the day, when I sit back and watch a, a special from the top to for two hours or so, I don't, no, not really, because I don't believe that. He's not going to hold my attention that long. Now, that doesn't minimize what he's capable of doing. It's just that I know for me, it wouldn't hold my attention. Now, I respect him. That's his craft. He's not, and I feel like every artist don't pander to everybody. So I'm okay with that. He he doesn't have an urban audience. I mean, people like Chris Rock, but his audience is really white people. I don't know. Because, you know, that's, 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 he didn't come up in the black clubs like, you know, a deal. But that doesn't mean he has, doesn't have a large black audience. I'm not saying he doesn't have a black audience. I'm just saying what he where he normally panders to or what his demographic is. Like, I went, went to one of his huge shows, and it was mostly white people in there. It was black people. I was in there. But it was mostly, you know, people loved him because of the movies he did. But in terms of his comedy, it was always directed towards others. And we were included in it because we were part of the content. But other than that, he because he does a lot of political and 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 satire type of comedy. It was never really like the urban black comedy, typically. But mm. I get it. I mean, but that just, I mean, that that went along to what I was saying in the beginning. Be you for you. Like it really it. Too many of us are being what we think a demographic wants for us or what social media wants for us or what mm-hmm. our fans or followers or supporters want for us. And very few people are being themselves. And I, because I've realized when I started being me authentically 100 mm-hmm. percent, not trying to save people feelings or, you know, not make the the dues that. And, I, and part of what I was saying in that was if you're going to be. Um, if you're going to be DL or or gay, just just be you for you. But see, it's hard to say that when it, it, it you is, know. But you have to. It has to be a person. It's hard to say it because we're too and we're in a mindset of thinking how other people see us. That's what makes it hard. And I'm not saying it's it's, it's it makes even me saying that makes it easier. But at some point, you have to make a choice for you. And if you keep making choices for other people, you will continue having to live in dark spaces for the rest of your life. It yeah, is I think it, being light. Yeah, I think more so it's like, you know, people people don't know how to they, they we've been conditioned to be like to want to be uh like someone else. Oh, oh shit, time's up. My bad. <laughs> oh no, you're me... not gonna take up the time and they're gonna say time's up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but this ain't chosen. That's that was kind of my overall messaging. And I was but, I was thinking about some incidents that I had with some people this week, but it it really and, and one of those incidents was like you are going to be like this for the rest of your life and you're 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 comfortable in your discomfort and i and i 
in, in that moment, if I had not ever said it to myself before, that day would have been the first day that I would have said it. And I said, mm-hmm. I could never be that. I, I just can't. And I and I still live my life in a way that's comfortable to me, where I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not shouting it from the rooftop because other people want that. But I can never lie to myself to the point where I have to only take little bites of joy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, I, being with you would would be a bite, and then I got to go and run over. And, and try to be this in this other life that's not real for me. And then mm-hmm. come back and take another bite of you and then go run. And you it, that's so exhausting. It's exhausting watching people live like that and, and right. having moments like that for myself. It, it was exhausting living with my, my go out friends and my college friends. Like it was exhausting. Well, I think it's, I think just because you show up, so it's just because I'm this way a lot of times doesn't mean that I don't take bricks from it. You know, really? I think it's about balance. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm an, I guess I'm an extrovert, but I have a lot of introverted tendencies. So it, I, I know when to break away because I need to break away so I can recalibrate. Balance, and, and, but it's balance. And, and so that's okay. That's just a part mm-hmm. of being, of self care. I think to, I think what you're saying and my interpretation is just being honest with you to accept that part of you that you probably wouldn't allow everyone to see. Be comfortable with that. Even if it's in your, even if you let your mind go there. Yeah. And and so you're not ready for your body to go there. Maybe you could be 88 years old and you will be another, what's, what's the Kardashian stepdad and like him. And now he's probably living his best life in Macy's going through the women department, living his best life. And now in my mind, like living why her best aren't life. we allowing as community, allowing people to explore that and discover that living so her younger. best life is her. her best life. Yes. Well until <laughs> he's no longer Republican, he still will be him. His politics cancels out his newfound life now. No, it does not. It does. Everything that you stand for then gets canceled out when you mark those boxes. (laughs) No, I mean, some of his politics is contradictory. Some of her politics, you got me doing the wrong thing. Some of her politics are contradictory. No, um, but I think that we can't. People, people, when you have these foundations and these beliefs that you've been um, conditioned and raised on, then it takes some time for you to evolve beyond that. That's again like with when, me. When, when, I will say, when he put that, I will say that, put that lip gloss on him, low ass lip, that should have evolved him. No. That you can put, the, you can put everything together. No, that I mean, and again, her uh, her politics may not align with her likes, but that doesn't mean that she's not who she is. So, and I I know that to be true, but you still are canceling out. So I can only give you what I see from you. No, that's like someone looking at you that I don't see from you. No, you can't cancel someone out because their their politics don't. They um, cancel themselves out. I mean. To a degree, but at the same token, you can't not be so. against these things, and then you go home and you don't. 
That sounds people crazy. People do that all the time. They do, they do and that's ain't crazy. It's ain't crazy when they do. So I this mean, thing it crazy, but that doesn't. So you can just because you are um, a Republican doesn't stop you from being gay. It don't. Doesn't stop, and doesn't stop. So you still. But also voting against gay rights and then going home and being gay makes you confused. That, <laughs> but that, hold on. Um, that's the, that's an assumption because what happens is. That's, that's what you say? What you say? What you say? Uh, that's a story for another day. What's that again, Marty? What you say? Now, Blue, I was about to say, Blue, you have to admit when when Nate just said it's absolutely correct. About what? We can say it again, Nate. If you well, go you, home, you, you go you, home and you gay, but you just at work you voted against gay shit. That that makes you a little. That means you just canceled yourself out. You, you but absolutely. I'm not. I didn't negate that. I didn't negate that. But then again, that has to uh, that has a lot to do with some semantics because if she is a, if she is living her life as a female and mm -hmm. she's in a relationship with a male, she's not gay. Then ain't she in a relationship with a female? I would hope oh. not. That would be all fucked up for me. She's in a relationship with a female, uh, a male. So she's not gay. So her saying I don't agree with gay rights makes sense. She's a heterosexual woman. Now, oh, whether, you wanna, whether you want to accept that as... Caitlyn Jenner is in a relationship with a female. Huh? Caitlyn Jenner is in a relationship with a female. Oh, well, then fuck it all. <laughs> fuck it all. <laughs> what do you mean? This is... That. <laughs> That's what I meant. I can't even put the picture up fast enough. <laughs> so I'm just going to send it to Nate in his inbox. I tried. I tried. See, see, you was you was giving up a good fight. I give it to you. I, I, and I was, and it would have been well supported. But then the facts are the facts. Had the shenanigans not happen? Oh look! Oh my god! And that looked like that looked like um that looked like uh, Trump's daughter. Ma'am, I'm gonna need her to get it together. So, yeah. and also, I just think some people do shit just to get attention, and they'll they will put on the I can't see that, and I don't even want. I mean, girl. it's giving me it's giving me we we um in the same transition though. <laughs> It's giving me real Peter and Paul right now. <laughs> ooh, ooh, Nate, you are giving you a reading today, honey. God. Oh, I thought, oh, well, I am loving this. This shade looks good on you. It looks good. <laughs> And she has on burgundy. I'm glad I've evolved. So now I'm glad I've evolved past wine because I don't want you to. <laughs> that was that was me when I was I, I, when I was oppressed. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh. 
She's giving me Birdo right now. Oh no! I thought that, I remember because she said she said in the beginning that she didn't know if she was going to be able to transition that way into being interested in men. Just because she felt like she was a woman, she didn't say she necessarily felt like she was gay. But yeah. that, but she also won Woman of the Year too. So I'm, all, <laughs> I'm done. But no, I'm that was one of the things you. she said in the beginning, right in the beginning when she was first transitioning, that she still was interested in women. She just felt like a woman herself. So she's gay. She's She's a a and Chris said, fuck that shit. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I, I honestly believe that Chris would if Chris would have been okay with it, they would have still been together today. Chris said, fuck that. But Chris was not okay with it. She said, you I want me to do Chris got some good sense. She <laughs> but... said, we do some wild shit as Kardashians, but that's where I draw the line. <laughs> well, I mean, because Chris is engaged. She's a, she's attracted to men. And I if like she maintained her relationship with, she don't um, even fuck with white men no more. She's it was, right. That, that meant she would have to come out as a lesbian, and she yeah, was not a lesbian. Right. She said, fuck that. I am strictly dickly. She said, fuck that. She Only about the business. She like, put some flavor on that thing, I haven't heard the update on whether she got the cut or not, because I remember she was apprehensive on the cut. I, I, I probably I don't got it. Ain't saying nothing. I don't think she has. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I think a part of me wants to say that she may have done this because of attention, and you know, this was her way of saying, "Let me," because she has a lot of competition. Growing up in a house full of females, and you know, um, they are all attention whores, and so. When he went and got that surgery, when he was still Bruce, I already knew it. I said, "This nigga is puckering up." Got them big old but um, this has been another edition of It's 7-Eleven. Uh, hold on, yes, this is this has been a wonderful edition of the Artist Exchange on <laughs> on Big Radio. I'm gonna say Nate has let that 18 inch of wet and wavy. Um, <laughs> she did do it. She did do it. What she oh she got the the extra, she she had the full change. That's what this article these articles are saying that she already had the reassignment a reassignment surgery. That's why she won woman of the year. Oh, is that why? Well, your whole argument is shot the hell down. Basically, I, I you know you tried. The, I tried. I tried. Well, for I, all, I, I, I fight for people like that too. No, I not like that. I fight for so what I'm saying is is that I think that their conversation is is that women, trans women and trans men, when they're making that transition, for a lot of them, the reason is is because that's who they identify as. And that they're not doing it because uh, I can't speak for all of them, because there are so many individuals that are doing it for attention. But mm. there are a lot, just as many individuals because they, that's who they are, you know, and for them, they're, they don't feel as though they can thrive until they're in a space, they're in a skin that represents who they are. So that's the, but this is clearly, in my opinion, not the same thing. So, mm -hmm. 
Not the same thing. Um, and this is a this is a clinical therapist forward, saying that. This is a clinical yeah, therapist saying this shit. Um, I just think that you know, um, if she's presenting herself as a female, then you address her as a female. And that's just that's the appropriate thing to do. I'm gonna say that he, she, her, Republican. <laughs> oh my goodness! I think it's a pronoun now. That's it. I'm gonna stop calling Republican. Is that oh you can see you created the Republican now I now see uh, you know I can't say nothing Man, about see, that. that we meet in the middle we it's compromised we, we, we did we see her them Republican <laughs> I think that would be I think that would be very befitting hashtag pronoun hashtag Republican that's what that's what we're going for now that's the new pronoun yeah, that's the new way that's damn that's gonna cool. shut them up. That's cool. They go shut some shit down when they hear that. So hashtag, <laughs> hashtag, hashtag she, her, Republican. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, so what? So I, I don't want to be associated as a Democrat. <laughs> I mean, you can be whatever. You can be an independent. He, okay. her, they, independent, independent. Green okay. Party. There's many of them. I'm gonna be a part of the blue party. You can start your own fucking party. Yes. It's your prerogative. They ain't gonna vote Thank for you. Thank you. Yes, the blue party, party is, is, the is the Viagra party. We stay hard. <laughs> well, that's we a all, they all for the they all for the blue party. <laughs> oh no, no, please don't. Please don't. They ain't got well, rid of that. Can, I'm show out. Can y'all close this show out? It's been a fun look. Thank you for showing up and joining us at the Audits Exchange on Be Exposed Radio. Join us next week at the same place, same time. I promise to be on time, I think. And um, <laughs> we'll see you. Mwah! Smooches. See y'all later, people. Don't forget Be Exposed Radio, Artist Exchange, all that jazz. We'll be back next week. What do you say? Oh, Republican. You are so fucking funny. Jesus Christmas. I'm gonna get you a t-shirt that say that. Watch. I'm what and uh, you know what? And I'ma rock that shit. I'ma rock that shit so hard. Because I was like, he <laughs> and I'm a, but this is what I'm gonna say. I'ma have I'ma have a picture of Caitlyn Jenner under it. And be right. like, we'll probably, that's what yeah. I'm, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna make it so it look like a halo where it's going around right here. She,